you're welcome along. It is the gardening program here on Midwest Radio on a Saturday morning with Sunshine for it. Good morning to good you. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning to our listeners. Yeah, and a really good week promised uh, right through until next weekend. So fantastic gardening weather, and particularly in the west of Ireland, we're going to get the best of it. So I think our listeners are going to see their gardens really perk up this week. We're going to see roses and flower, you know, just flowering their head off. All the bedding plants will just suddenly jump. The baskets, the hanging baskets will look so much better. So this heat is uh, very much uh, wanted and appreciated and and the plants are going to respond to it really well. Because as we said earlier, this year has been a year of growth steady green growth plants are growing really well they're quite lush and uh, as we come in as we pass now the longest day of the year mm-hmm. plants are triggered into flowering so we're going to see an awful lot of the the lovely hydrangeas producing their flower buds and lots of summer flowering plants just on the point of flowering and once the heat comes of course the flowers just come forward so it's going to be a really good over the next um you know five or six days you're going to see lots and lots of plants come into flower with that heat and we still have lots of moisture in the soil and so from a planting perspective the planting conditions are ideal as well so if listeners are thinking about putting in a little bit of colour or planting new lawns or planting a hedge or planting climbers whatever it may be soil conditions are still terrific and as you know we had some rain (laughs) again this week quite a bit so so there's plenty of moisture in the soil Um, so really really good gardening weather really good conditions for the sowing of seed the planting of plants Um, but in particular you're going to see your, your garden flowering plants perform very well. It is a time that we should start liquid feeding plants now so your tomato plants and and all your, um, both your vegetables and your flowering plants in particular, start feeding them now once a week um, and uh, that will really help to push on the energy and, and push on the flowers and of course dead head. Do keep an eye out as well for green fly caterpillars, they're going to respond to the really warm weather as well uh, so particularly for plants that are sensitive like roses or lupins or maybe some veg plants, just keep an eye and use some of the natural treatments like bug clear just to keep control of that because if you leave it for a week or two they breed very quickly and it, a small problem can become a mess very nice. very quickly. So just keep an eye out on pests and diseases and of course weeds in our garden are going to respond to the good weather as well so keep on, on top of that. But a really good a really good gardening week ahead um, so lots to look forward to and really good planting weather. And I brought yep. you in a few um, cottage garden plants because I think they're looking fantastic this year. It's been a real... Cottage garden plants tend to like the kind of cooler spring and then the heat to come. So they've made lots of growth and they're just on the point of flowering. And we always chat about the lovely uh, Zendicias, the big white flowering lilies, which are in flower at the moment. But I brought you in a yellow variety and this is one called Sun Club. It's a dwarf variety. It only grows about two feet in height. It's in flower at the moment. It's so gorgeous. Isn't it lovely? Mm, really, really buttery yellow flower. And again, it's a perennial that comes back every year. It's got these speckled leaves that kind of a, a green leaf with little silver specks through it. But the flowers are absolutely gorgeous and they're a very, very rich yellow. And it, again, that particular variety, Sun Club, will flower right through until the end of the summer. It comes, it comes back every year and it's available in pinks and reds and other colours as well um, so you know you, you don't have to necessarily go for the really tall RM Lily yeah. you can get these smaller ones that work really well in pots and containers but they're fully perennial as well and come back and, and they produce large clumps over time that you can divide so, so you can divide split out them up divide them up, move them on and so on. I also brought you in a little salvias because salvias we often associate with the red flowering salvia as a bedding plant but there are lots of really good perennial varieties of salvias and salvias are plants in the mint family. So mint is a variety of salvia but there's some really good flowering varieties 
very, very easy to grow, very long-lasting. Um, so this is one called Misty, but mm-hmm. there's lots of different varieties. And I like them in particular because they start to flower in early June and they literally go on till October and come back year after year. Really simple plant to grow, but they're particularly good for pollinating insects. So if you've got this in your garden, it will be absolutely covered in uh, bees and, butter- and butterflies and bumblebees and so on. And they will visit that plant right through the whole summer. So they're the salvias, a really easy plant to grow. I also brought you in um, a lobelia, which again, we often associate lo- lobelia with the little blue crystal palace yes. or sapphire that grows out of hanging baskets. But there are perennial varieties okay, that come is, back. This is kind of a much taller one. It's a taller, yeah. There's lots of different um, varieties of the more cottage garden or perennial lobelias. And again, a bit like the salvias, they start to flower in June and flower right through till the end of the summer. Well, and I they're crumb the forming. Really pretty pink. Yeah, so this, this this particular variety will grow to about 18 inches, maybe two feet. It's one called Starship Rose. It's a rose flowering variety, but there's lots of different varieties. And even some varieties of lobelia that have red stems, like Cardinalis. Oh. It's got lovely blood red stems Stem. and leaves. The leaves are red as well, and, and, and the black. flower is red. Okay, so it's all—it's a pure. <laughs> it's a complete. It's a red perfusion. It's a red plant. Yeah. So look for. So I suppose my point is, there's lots of really good. I've brought you in some lupins. I brought you the echinacea plant that we often associate with the medicinal purposes, but it's a beautiful flowering plant. Big, big daisy flower comes in lots of different varieties, and many of the cottage garden plants you can get them at different heights. So if you want something small and compact, uh-huh. there are echinacea varieties that only grow a foot or eighteen inches, and um, some salvias that only grow. A foot or eight inches and then other varieties that will grow up to a metre or maybe 1.2 metres in height so you can create this cottage garden border. Okay, did you say you had something called hot lips? I have. There's a lovely, um, again, it's it's in the salvia family Okay. and this is one called hot lips which produces these fabulous red flowers, the beautiful kind of a lipstick red colour. And I planted this one of these about five or six years ago in the garden of Virgin Media where we used to do the gardening programme and we've moved the garden since and that part of the area has actually become neglected. Right. The, the, nobody takes care of it. So, But this particular plant is, I was looking at it a couple of weeks ago and it's absolutely gorgeous. So it has fallen to neglect. corner as such. Yeah, so salvias, they are a Mediterranean plant. They do like bright sunny locations, fairly free draining soil. Um, but with this particular variety of hop lips, if you give it those conditions and you give it a little bit of neglect, it's the sort of plant that just keeps on giving. And it flowers literally till October. It's such an easy plant uh, to get to flower and to continue. And there's quite a few buds on oh, that one loads. as well. So you're going to have a fair bit of colour, Absolutely. I, I would imagine. And that's a young plant. So you can imagine in two or three years time, that'll be five, six times its size. And that's the beautiful of cottage garden plants that they multiply in size and many are easy to propagate by division, by cuttings. So once you get them in the garden, you can actually propagate them. So for example, I've got a lovely Nepeta Six Hills Giant, which is, it's, it's actually in the mint family. It's been in flower since May. It's now one plant is about one metre, maybe 1.2 metres in diameter. So it covers the ground. It's flowering from May right through until October. And from early morning to late evening, the bees are on it. Wow. So it's a beautiful thing with blue flowers. It's it's like a lavender, but it's easier to, easier to grow than lavender and it's scented. And so they're great for ground covering effects and you simply just hack them back at the end of the summer or the autumn, um, early yeah. winter and they come back, come back. next year again. Okay. So it's a really good time and particularly this week with the warm weathers, but more importantly, the fact that there's loads of moisture in the soil, plants are just going to take off really quickly. Brilliant. There's a load of options there. Yeah. 
Um, so just to remind people as well, today we have um, Deirdre McCarthy is is um, is our resident florist and, and Deirdre is actually giving a, she's in Turlock Centre today mm-hmm. um, from early morning right through till six o'clock. But at two o'clock, she's going to do a demo on putting together some summer uh, door wreaths. So these seem to be trending. I've noticed that. There you I, go. Yeah. I and I was you. I was travelling around a little bit this week and I did notice I said, Oh, these people uh, are, are, are were they legacies from Christmas or but they're not, clearly. They're not. And I some of them are heart shaped and some of them All of that. Uh, yeah. Um and I guess it's probably a little bit more of the lockdown legacy, shall we say, and uh, people just doing a little extra something at their own, kind of being at their own front door yeah. um, to, I suppose, bring about a little bit of colour and um, some vegetation and yeah, flowers and, yeah. from the garden and the cottage, yeah. a lot of the cottage garden plants. So Deirdre was telling me that they, this is on trend. I didn't actually know this. I haven't been as observant as you have, but uh, it's very much on trend at the moment. So if people want some ideas on how to put uh, a summer dory together using kind of natural flowers, maybe flowers from your own garden. Deirdre will be in the centre in Turlock today. It's a free demo for an hour and she's so engaging, so passionate about plants, uh, very engaging, very artistic and even if people have, want some advice, maybe if they have a wedding coming up or a mm. family occasion or they want some advice and in general how to look after cu- cut flowers and arrangements, Deirdre's there all day but particularly at two o'clock she's going to be having some of those amazing door wreaths and uh, put put them together and, and give people ideas. So, Brilliant. So that's on today in Turlock at two o'clock and just to thank people, we had a fantastic response to the Tropolinium speciosum. The st- team were telling me there were, there were people outside the door at half eight <laughs> last Saturday morning, so they weren't tuned into the gardening programme and we were sold out within an hour. So we oh, raised wow. over a thousand euros for charity. So my thanks to everyone uh, for getting the plants. And look, uh, my apologies for we had lots of disappointed people that um, because they sold out so quickly. And mm. um, we'll, we'll do it all again next year, uh, certainly. And for listeners that did get the, the plant, remember it is a climbing plant planted maybe at the base of a hedge try to have the roots so they're not going to be exposed to a lawnmower or the garden hole or so tuck it away somewhere that that's kind of uh, semi-protected mm. out of the way and the plant will scramble 15-20 feet up through a hedge or up through a conifer or uh, remember it is a climbing plant so once it touches the plant you, the host plant you're going to plant at the base of it'll just scramble off. up through it and it'll grow 15 or 20 feet in height and it is perennial it will come back year after year and I had a look at my own one this morning with a bit of heat the last few days it's it absolutely gorgeous yeah. they're in such an easy plant and lovely plant to grow um, so so that went really well. So they're the sort of jobs to be doing over the next couple of weeks. You know, again, with the dry weather, if there's any um, applications of treatments like blight control or weed control, again, this sort of, it'll be, this weather will be very conducive to, to any of that for the next couple of days. Okay, and to be particularly mindful that the good weather will bring out, I suppose, all the, the garden creatures. Uh, so you'll have those, pe- you know, that's sometimes pests, although yeah. people see them as beneficial, um, but they will be fairly active. Yeah, and, and you know, to use a bit of common sense like I, I said before on my beach hedge I always get aphids on it but I never bother spraying it because it's, it's big and robust and it's well able to handle uh, so you know keep it to plants that are, are going to be damaged severely so maybe some of your edible plants or things like lupins that are roses that if you allow the, the bugs to get on them they just they just make a mess Decimate of them so them. keep mm. it fairly specific and use natural treatments there are plenty of um, non-invasive natural treatments like the bug clear 
uh, that, that's safe to use. Brilliant. Uh, so while we've lots of questions <laughs> in on text, WhatsApps and phones, we also have something in the post and we have a couple of samples here. Bits of plants as it's well. A, bits as of well plants as sent in yeah, in, pla- in little plastic bags. So we have two questions, I think, in all of this. Um, uh, from some person in the Clare Morris area. So the clipping, first of all, uh, clipping is from a shrub from the garden next door. There has been nobody in it for years. I'd love to root it for a pot. Is it a, a spring shrub or a summer? It has a lovely creamy flower. So we have the leaves, I think, here. The leaves and yeah, there's oh, there's a, a little bit of flower. A little bit it. of flower. It's yeah. nearly gone out of flower or, or else the, the petals have gone Doesn't off. Doesn't smell of anything or at least not at the minute. Yeah, it's a plant called Philadelphus. Um, so mock orange is the name and it does actually have a scent in the evening time. It's, okay. You can't really get it Maybe there just today. Yeah, yeah, so this has been in the post for the it, last few it days. It tends to flower late spring, early summer, so it's kind of a June flowering uh, plant, late May, June, and very, very easy plant to grow. And, and actually, this is a really good time to take cuttings from that plant. It's a good time, actually, in general, to take cuttings, softwood cuttings. So if you fancy taking propagating the Philadelphus or fuchsias or hydrangeas, this is a really good time. Take young wood, so this year's growth, strip off the leaves, strip off the flowers, just leave one leaf right at the top of the cutting, dip it into some rooting powder and insert it into pure perlite. So if you get a little bit of bag of perlite from your local garden centre, add a little bit of water to it and insert in a small pot, maybe six or seven cuttings, then cover with a polythene bag and they will root within six weeks and you've got yourself some new plants. So Philadelphus, is that what Philadelphus you said? Philadelphus aureus is a yellow-leafed Philadelphus mock orange. It comes in different varieties, virginal, and there's lots of different varieties, some with green leaves, some with yellow leaves, um, but aureus is the yellow-leafed um, Latin for yellow is aureus. Uh, so it's Philadelphus aureus and um, beautiful yellow foliage, uh-huh. white flowers, scented generally in the evening time, but easy to grow and a lovely, great plant actually for bees as well because in June there's not so much plants in flower so it's a it's a particularly good one. So how big would that Philadelphus aureus is, gen- is generally kind of medium size. If, it w- if it's in the garden for 20 years uh, left untrimmed, I would expect it to be about six feet now. A big bush. Yeah, but it, it's a plant you can trim back and keep yeah. controlled and you cut it after flowering so we're actually coming up to the time of year for pruning them back. Great. Now from outdoors, uh, we this listener has also sent us in uh, a little sample of an indoor plant. Uh, very pretty leaves on this, variegated. It's growing too fast for me. I've given a, a lot of weight to family and friends. It's due for another haircut in inverted commas. Uh, by the way, what is the name of it and how do I stop it growing so fast? So if you notice on the leaf, the leaf is green with a, a kind of red centre, but also the stem is square. Look at the stem. Okay, yes. So it's got four corners oh, on it. Yes, it right? does, yeah. So that tells us that it's actually in the mint family. Uh-huh. So it's related to... That's why it's so vigorous. ...to salvias. It's actually a plant called coleus. Coleus. And it's generally, you can put it out of doors for the summer. So you treat it like a geranium plant. So are they the kind of Mediterranean geranium, the pelargoniums. So out for the summer, so it can be outside from June right through to September. And then take cuttings from the plant or lift the mother plant and bring it back indoors because it is frost sensitive. Now coleus are growing for their beautiful foliage colour. And they come in a whole range of different varieties. And you'll see them in your local garden centre at the moment. Probably one of the easiest of all indoor plants to grow. As the listener says, it tends to grow very vigorously. Mm. You have to be pruning it back. And it does bear a beautiful blue flower. So it's in the same family as salvia, as the salvia misti that I showed you, but that's a perennial for outdoors. Coleus is in, this, is in the, what we call the Laminacea family, which is in the, everything in the mint family, and they all have square stems. Right. So if you look at mint 
or Nicomamint. Okay, I've stuck that. Yeah. And salvias have square stems, and our friend the coleus has a square stem. So beautiful foliage nice little blue flower on mm-hmm. the plant you do need to keep it um, trimmed back so hence it's a great plant for giving away as cuttings and it roots very very simply exactly the same process strip off the leaves take off any flowers put it it'll actually root in water right. you put it into a jar of water simple as that it'll root in about three to four weeks and you can simply pot it up and grow it on and it's the type of plant that you need to be cutting back on a regular basis because otherwise it gets leggy and it tends to fall over and, and just die with the pruning actually rejuvenates the plant and keeps it young and the colour in the leaves is so much better and it ends up a nice big bushy plant yeah you know it can grow anything up to two three feet if you let it okay yeah so it's, it's not, yeah it's very I'm quite taken with the leaves on it it's and, and you've got that leaf colour 12 months of the year so right through the winter it still retains its foliage indoors remember out for the summer in, in, back in in September yeah. or you can keep it indoors all, all year the, round right. ideal in a porch windowsill somewhere bright the colour in the leaf is, tends to be a lot better if you hold back a little bit on the watering you'll keep it that slight bit smaller you know won't grow as, as lush yeah, and right. as vigorous um, but also pinching it back or taking cuttings from the plant and giving it away to well, family and friends as the listener has fantastic and there's loads of different varieties of them so they've, that particular one has a lot of green with the red speckle, like like a yes. speckle of blood in the centre of the leaf. But some have pure red leaves. So there's loads of different varieties. But they're available in garden centres at the moment. Coleus, coleus, lovely plant. Brilliant. <clears throat> right, we've got a good few questions in on potatoes, Spuds, pork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'll just t- take a look at some <clears throat> of those if we may. Um, here's potatoes with some photographs and I think there's probably a few questions in this vein. Uh, they're in a container, cha- changed in the past week and started to go yellow. Uh, they haven't flowered. Is this blight? Is there any way to treat this? Well, there's a small bit of mm, yellowing yellow on the foliage. Yeah. Now, Met Aaron have issued or did issue mm. a, a blight warning for Wednesday, Thursday. And if you remember, we had quite a wet weather on Thursday in particular, that humid wet weather, perfect blight weather uh, last Thursday. Um, and, you know, you need to be keeping an eye on, the, on the, the blight warnings at the moment, but particularly when we get that sort of wet weather. And last weekend, Last weekend, uh, again, areas of the West got quite a bit of rain. So when we get that rain, we get blight um, and it does show up as yellowing on the foliage. The treatment I recommended before was to use the bare potato treatment because it has two active ingredients, one that prevents blight from affecting the leaves, but it also has a curative property as well. And particularly for this listener, when you see that little bit of yellowing on the leaves, that certainly would have the indication of blight. Generally, you get the yellowing of the leaves. You can see some of the leaves have little black brown spots as well, yes. which would be very uh, indicative of blight. So I would treat that plant today with the um, with the potato, with the bare potato treatment, apply it to the foliage. It generally gives two weeks of protection. So it's st- systemic. It enters into the system of the plant and it works up into the new growth. So even though the listener has a little bit of blight on the leaves, it's just starting, the bare treatment will actually stop that and prevent it. Okay. So I'd get that on this weekend if you can. And for listeners that haven't sprayed their spuds in the last 10 days, two weeks, particularly with the bare treatment, I would reapply it now that we're coming into dry weather. If you're using something like dithane or one of the copper fungicides, remember that they only protect what, what, it, what you treat. So if you spray today, the new growth that it produces during the week is not protected. So you need to be a little bit more vigilant with those treatments. With the bare treatment, because it's systemic, as the plant grows, well, as the new growth starts, the, 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 the treatment moves into that growth and protects from within. So my advice really is for that listener is to give it a, uh, an application of bare 
the date of treatment now. It's a little bottle. The bottle lasts you the whole season and it'll just keep them protected. And same with tomato plants as well if you have them outside. Okay, we've more potatoes. This time they're outside. Enjoy the show every Saturday. Uh, Question on potatoes. Growing about seven to eight weeks now, but they've fallen down in the middle. Not sure if the wind damage or anything else. Uh, There are onions growing beside them and the stalks fell over them too. If I cut them back, will they grow back again? Well, I would... That's totally weather damage, wind damage. Right. So wind will, will damage potatoes. Remember, they've been actively growing for the last uh, couple of weeks. We did have quite a bit of wind this week and, and potatoes well, tend to get knocked over. I wouldn't cut them back. I just allow them to grow. And, and That's let, quite a good, they're quite, yeah, quite they're a good quite healthy. shape. Yeah. They're, they're falling over, you know, they're not as erect, the stems, they've fallen down, uh, but they're still producing lots of, taking in the sunlight, producing lots of energy and all that energy is going back into the tubers. So leave well enough alone. Don't be hacking them back. Um, um, and again, they're very healthy. There's no sign of blight on them. So the listener is obviously keeping them well treated. So they're, they're perfectly fine. So I wouldn't treat them or, or trim them. I would just leave them as is, let them grow on. And then as soon as they come into flower, check the size of the tubers. And depending on if they're earlies or second earlies, you can start to harvest. Great. Now we're <coughs> going to go from regular potatoes to sweet potatoes. Oh, um, and I'm growing sweet potatoes uh, New Orleans variety for the lovely. first time. I planted yeah. them from plugs in Excellent. early May. The original leaves are at the top of the of the photo, uh, but what looks like potato foliage is appearing on some of the plants. Is this normal? Yeah, well, the if you just go back to the picture there, so yeah. the, the young growth in um, sweet potato is that brown colour. You see that like little brown leaf right at the centre? That one there? That's, yeah, that's all the young growth of uh, of uh, sweet potato and then it changes to dark green and the leaves of sweet potatoes are heart shaped a bit like ivy I was just going to say if uh, to the untrained eye like mine I would have thought that might have been ivy yeah and well and it grows like ivy it's it's a climbing plant at the end of the day sweet potato so it needs a little bit of support now it looks like right at the very front of the picture mm. that there is a potato stalk okay. coming up so my guess is that they there's either a, p- a potato tuber from last year in the compost and that's starting to grow so I would take that out. So really the listener should just keep the the plant that looks like an ivy for all the world yeah. put down a little bamboo came with it as well just to stake it and it's actually now that we're go- coming into the heat it's actually going to start to grow really really quickly. Do they grow quick? Absolutely. Once they start growing they're really now they're they, they need a long growing season so don't be tempted to harvest the sweet potato until October. Just allow it to grow, keep it fed, keep it watered, give it a little bit of support. It is a climbing plant after all and it does take several months for the tuber to form. And, and they do grow very well in Ireland. Ideally you need to have them in, in a I was just wondering, greenhouse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And would they uh, be susceptible to blight in the way no, the no, standard no, potatoes are? No, no. They're, no, they're completely, they're not in the... Different animal altogether. Different animal altogether and they're not affected by blight. To be honest, they, they don't really suffer any pest and diseases. But there are, they, you need a tunnel or greenhouse, uh, particularly this year and they are frost sensitive you can't put them out too early in the spring Okay, but no it's growing really well Great. So indoor plant this time. My daughter has this house plant. It seems yep. to be dying. It's called Ar- Aracia, Aracia yeah, palm. palm yeah. uh, what can she do to keep it alive? She watered it and gave it a feed. So what else uh, can we do? Asks Kitty. Yeah, well, the key thing with palms is not to be uh, not to o- overwater them. It looks like it's it's a 
it's placed inside another pot, doesn't it? It is. Uh, yeah, and just go back to the other pot. It, yeah, it, it does. Makes, it's a pot within a larger in, decorative large pot. pot. Yeah. Now, if it's still in the original pot that you purchased it, I would repot it, moving into a slightly larger pot at this stage. And um, be careful with palms not to. So palms are indoor. You must keep them indoor. Be careful not to overwash them. So, in a typical house, you would need to wash this more than once every ten days, once a fortnight at most, and okay. particularly if you repot it. So it may be a case that it's just been over water there's brown tips at the end tips, of the shoots yeah. and that can be an indication of over watering so once a fortnight feed it once a fortnight again with baby bio and you can safely trim off any of the the brown ends like overall the plant is in it looks pretty it's good in great, it's in great i wouldn't condition. have noticed those few yeah, bits yeah. now but yeah, yeah. It's a thing. And I think it's beginning to f- open up a little bit. It's kind right. of, it's falling apart a little bit. So it looks like, and it could be overwashed as well. So I'd repot it, wash it every fortnight and give it a liquid feed every fortnight as well. Okay. Um, chrysanthemums have a lot of foliage, but no flowers, says Mary. What, what, what would be wrong? What do you think? Is it the season for chrysanthemums? Well, there's the, the you're bang on. The chrysanthemums don't flower until the autumn. So plants are often tricked into uh, the, the the flowering depends on the amount of light they get and chrysanthemums are a short day plant. So they flower when the days in the year. Short day plant. They're a short day plant. We describe them as a short day plant. Roses are a long day plant. So roses are triggered by the longer day, the more light we're getting, triggers them into flowering. Chrysanthemums are an autumn flowering plant. Now, You'll buy them in the shops. They've been fooled into thinking it's it's uh, autumn. Uh, when you buy them in the in the local garden centre or florist, a little pot chrysanthemum could be in flower this time of year. But that has been tricked into thinking it's autumn. So if Mary has the chrysanthemums, they're growing mm. healthy. They're nice and lush. That's what you want, Mary. If they're getting anywhere leggy, pinch them back. Keep feeding them. And they'll come into flower late August, September and flower through to the end of November. So chrysanthemums are short day flowering plants oh. so autumn is the time for them to bloom so nothing nothing wrong nothing no wrong. problem just, uh, just slightly out of yeah, season yeah and look forward to them and do remember that when you are planting your garden try to get plants that do flower at different times of the year so it's a good thing that chrysanthemums flower in the autumn because you're looking forward to all that colour mm. later on in the in the autumn they're just yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's extending like out like taffer lilies and sedums and asters they all flower they're short day plants they flower when once the day starts getting shorter and we're moving towards that <laughs> from now on yeah that, that particular point in the yeah. year now we've got a picture of uh, some roses yes. and with a fair bit of leaf damage there uh, yeah. uh, by the looks of things uh, what's attacking my rose leaves this year for years I've had not green fly even uh, this year I introduced five new roses in my rose area would that have caused the problem uh, not necessarily what you lovely have roses there yeah the roses overall now i'm seeing a little bit of black spot on the on the, on the leaves as well but um the damage on the first leaf is down to capsid bug or there's also a believe it or not i mean you'll love this one there's a there's a, a particular um bee called the rose bee or often called the rose wasp mm-hmm. that just targets roses and they take the call it the the um the rose leaf cutting bee because they actually cut little notches out of the leaves of roses to use for bedding. So when they're producing the <laughs> hive, <laughs> they take little pieces out of them. So bear that in mind. I would say this one is more likely to be capsid bug damage, which is a small little beetle that feeds on the leaves of roses. To be honest, it's it's superficial damage. The rose is still quite healthy and 
I wouldn't bother treating it, to be honest. I mean, I, I know it might, it might be as pretty as having pristine leaves on it, but it's a it's a small beetle. It feeds on the surface of the leaf of, of the rose. And um, aphids and green fly do completely different damage. They suck the protein out of the leaf, so they tend to be on the young shoots and you'll see them congregating. You'll see little white deposits from aphids and the plant gets quite sticky and they can be quite destructive because they're simply taking all the protein out of the rose bush. But something like capsaicin bug is a less uh, damaging pest. It it feeds on the surface of the leaf and it takes a little bit of, of the leaf, the green leaf from it. So I, I'd be more inclined to recommend the, the listener to use something like Rose Rescue or Rose Clear, which has a fungicide and a, a treatment for pests combined and use that once a month. Okay, great. Um, now we'll just uh, <clears throat> take a look at uh, one or two texts here, Pork. Um, is there anything you can do, put on a flower bed or a garden to deter or stop a seven-month-old big puppy yeah. from taking holes? It doesn't matter what the plants are, she'll dig them up. Maybe a scent could be sprayed. She even goes through beds with bark on it. Right. Um, so, uh, big, oh, yeah. big seven-month-old puppies. Puppies will do that. You know, they'll they'll they'll, they'll uh, scrape away at newly planted plants in particular. And curiosity. The, curiosity and, and messing with the soil. Um, pop into your local garden centre or uh, pet shop and they'll have various types of of uh, sprays, um, safe sprays, They're de- the, de- the smell of them, the dogs dislike and you simply spray it on the area and that kind of stops the behaviour, stops the habit and they'll do it somewhere else. Well, okay. Yeah. Can I trim a laurel hedge? I also planted a new laurel hedge. Some of them have failed to grow. When uh, will they be in stock again? These were potted plants. Yeah, well, and, and there is a shortage of hedging is at there? the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just down to the... the Everybody who's planting hedges and looking for privacy, I think it's security. Down to, d- down to the demand. Down to the demand, yeah. But look, they will come available again. And, and as we come in, go into kind of uh, late July, August is always a great time for planting laurels. And once they're potted, you can plant at any time of year. I mean, you know, I did start the programme by saying it's great planting conditions. So if you can get your hands on hedging plants, certainly get them into the ground. Now, you can certainly give it a light trimming back, the hedge itself. Um, you know, a good idea to actually trim. And, and people often leave their garden hedges to late in the season. Uh, you know, whereas if you do a light bit of pruning now, obviously you need to check that there's no nesting birds because birds are fully nesting at the moment. So first and foremost, check that. And if, if they are, leave the hedge alone until later on in, in September. Uh, but having said that, if, if there are no nesting birds, you can give the, trim, uh, the hedge a very light trimming back now. And that helps to keep the overall growth shorter, sure. bushier. And, and healthier. And under control. Yeah. Now, would it be advisable to cut or pull stalks from rhubarb? Uh, the rhubarb was planted this year. They're fine sticks and they're plentiful. It must be so tempting. I can imagine. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about it's a killer pie. to be wondering, <laughs> Isn't it? do I have to leave it there? But but the advice really is to leave it to grow. I mean, the plants, remember when you're taking the sticks and leaves off rhubarb, you're robbing the plant of much essential um, that's how they produce their energy at the end of the day. And we often get asked in the programme, why why does my rhubarb, why the stem's gone so thin? And that's generally where people harvest too late or they pick the rhubarb too early. So albeit that it's tempting, my advice really is to leave it alone for this year. Get yourself or- some organic matter, particularly in the autumn, and put it over the plant, you know, half a barrow type of, uh, of organic matter, mushroom compost or uh, compost in the autumn and let that decompose down and really if you can leave them another year to grow on ideally in their third years when you start to harvest rhubarb. Okay great uh, a couple more rose questions um, and I'll do these collectively I just want to ask Warwick I moved into my house 20 years ago I had rows of roses but four years ago they all died 
when can I put more in, um, says Anne in Sligo. And I also wanted to put wildflowers in my lawn, but nothing coming up. And I've tried two times. Okay, so so in terms of the roses, mm. replanting roses into the same piece of soil is not a good idea because yes. roses have this uh, have a particular um, uh, bacteria that affects newly planted roses. So ideally, if if Anne can pick mm. a different location in the garden, then you can plant roses at any time, particularly if they're potted. And this is a great time because roses are coming into flower, so you can actually go in and smell the roses, as it were, and pick the, the colours that, that you particularly like. So if Anne can pick a new location, then you can plant at any time. Um, I wouldn't put roses back into the, the same the border that she had them in plant something else other plants will not be affected by the bacteria in the soil so perfectly safe to do in terms of wildflowers you know when you're putting wildflowers into into lawns make sure that you go for really short mixes so you want varieties that are going to stay very compact and very short and and wild wildflower seed comes in a whole range of different types so get the really short varieties Planting up spring bulbs is always a great idea in lawns as well because they generally have died back, particularly shorter bulbs like aranthus, snowdrops, um, the really dwarf daffodils like February gold. They're flowering in February, early March and by the time you come to mow the lawn in April they've, they've died back That's sufficiently. Right. Crocuses will be another really good one to, to sow. Having said all that, the weather conditions actually at the moment are ideal for sowing wildflower seed. When you're putting it into an established lawn, because the seed is finding difficulty getting down onto the the, the soil itself, you're not putting it into bare soil, it's a good idea to mix the wildflower seed with some compost and mix the two together, moisten them well and then literally chuck it onto the lawn and brush it in with a yard brush. And because the seed is in contact with the compost, it's got a better chance of germinating rather than just sitting on the bare grass or trying to get down onto the soil itself. So that's a better way to do it. But also remember, bulbs are a great option in the autumn. And yeah. they'll be available late September, October. Go for all the short little varieties, lovely things like Shinodoxia. There's a load of bulbs that will flower from December right through until the end of March. So you have that early bit of yeah. uh, colour and, and as well. And the one thing about a bulb is it's guaranteed to grow. Okay. No matter if you put it upside down, yeah. sideways, it'll, whatever, find its it'll, way. it'll find its way up. Brilliant. One more question on roses. We have yeah. a rose bush growing very well, mm. well cared for, but with, with, with horse manure. Right. There are buds, but they're not opening and they're a bit on the black side. Well, if they're gone black, um, the, the, the buds have gone blind, so that needs to be pruned out. So any of the, any of the, um, any of the stems that have buds that are failing to open or have gone blackish in colour um, particularly if you push them and they're anyway squishy they should be cut out the plants will regrow again and will, the, the new growth with the buds should be perfectly fine okay okay something's just held yeah, that and, back and remember that roses flower until october november so there's a long long flowering period yet okay, so, so don't don't expect don't, them don't all to over. be burst yeah. first again yeah okay so uh can you tell us about we've a photograph of a plant here now it's in it looks like in a fairly crowded spot to me um wondering is there a disease on this plant uh, that it has hit the last two years. So the plant has the red coloration to the leaves, mm. right? And the leaves are quite small. And that's a real sign that the plant is actually hungry. So plants will, when they're under stress or they're, they're getting hungry, they'll actually produce this kind of red coloration to the leaf. 
So my advice for the listeners, give it a couple of liquid feeds or give it some granulated fertiliser and I think it'll grow to it very, very quickly. Okay, great stuff. And moving on to the next one, strawberry plants. Um, so I've got new strawberry plants this year planted in a window box. I kept them watered on a Sunday window and got a couple of feeds of tomato feed. They've lots of foliage, but only about five fruit per plant and no sign of more flowers. Is that it for this year? And why was the yield so small? Because you overfed them. And I think we, we, we advise people about that with strawberries. You don't start to feed them until they actually initiate uh, their fruit, until the fruit is actually forming. Because strawberries relish, if you feed them, you get lots of foliage at the expense of flower. If they're under a little bit of hardship, they tend to flower their head off and produce lots of fruit. So ease back. I would actually remove some of the leaves actually take the leaves off the plant, uh, you know, maybe ha- a third of the leaves off them, simply cut the leaves off and um, that will hopefully stimulate the plant to produce new flowers and new fruit for you. But with strawberries, overfeeding is, particularly it's, in spring and early summer before they start to produce the fruit, you worth, just get loads of leaves and no flowers. Now, let's talk about lupins. We've let's got a couple about, of questions yeah. about lupins here. First of all, uh, somebody says, morning to you both, lovely pink lupins here. What can I do with my lupins at this stage, please? So, so just to describe them to our, our listeners, this particular picture, there's loads of flowers uh, flowering at the moment. You can see the sm- the flowers are actually quite short. They're, mm-hmm. they're quite small. Um, it has also in the centre of the plant, it's got lots of flowers that have gone over they're producing their seed heads and we we talked about this two or three weeks ago that as soon as lupins start to produce their seed you need to cut the old flower out because all the energy is going into the production of producing seed so my advice is to remove those uh, centre stems they're very distinctive in that they're like they're like pea pods they are I think right? they're and like furry pea pods furry pea pods and as soon as you see those appearing on the lupins and don't wait till the last one appears on the top of the shoot once they're about 50% up the stem my advice is to cut that stem out and that'll encourage lots of new flowers on the plant. On the plant. Yeah. Great. Give okay. it a liquid feed as well. Now, we're going to go on to less uh, stellar looking <laughs> lupins here, Boric. And uh, so, uh, I, how do I treat this aphid fly attacking my lupins? They're making the fl- them fall and curl as well. This is the first year I've seen them. Do I cut them back? Can I put the cuttings in compost? Do they attack other plants as well? Asks Chris. No, this, Chris, this is a specific lupin. We, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. This is actually lupin aphid. It's a very large aphid green and you can see they're en masse here on the young buds so and the plant has gone quite sticky uh, so look you need to treat them with something like, like bug clear uh, to get rid of them because they're they're just taking all the protein out of your plants and making them look sickly so any flowers that have gone over Chris just trim them off uh, give it a dressing of um, of the bug clear yeah. or one of the treatments and that will eradicate the, the aphids and look at lupins are just they're a magnet for this particular aphid. There you go. Uh, well, that, that aphid is funny. <laughs> it's making me itch. Oh my goodness, it is a total infestation. Yeah, it is, yeah. But that's just, you know, and that's really what I'm saying to people is keep an eye on your plants now because with the warm weather, you're going to see lots of aphid and caterpillars uh, and activity. so on. Yeah. Now, can you ask Porek, what is this called and can it be grown as a small medium shrub, asks Kathleen. Kathleen, this is a plant called Oliria macrodonta. Um, and it produces these lovely daisy flowers. So the leaves are like holly, they're holly-leafed, but they're actually quite soft to touch. It's evergreen. It's one, probably one of the best seaside hedging plants. Really, really tough little plant. Very easy to grow. Left untrimmed, Kathleen, it'll grow 12, 15 feet. 
Uh, but you can keep it pruned back and you can keep it managed. So my advice is really allow it to flower. It's in flower at the moment. Lovely, these white daisy flowers. And as soon as it goes out of flower, then prune it back and take at least a foot or maybe 18 inches of the plant. And if you manage it in that context, you'll keep it really bushy. It'll grow to about maybe four feet and you'll manage it at that size. So if... That describes small to me, mm-hmm. yeah, small to medium. She's looking for so a lovely plant, really easy to grow. Now we've got another uh, identification question here: a pot in a plant, green leaves, and kind of longer than I don't know where they kind of flowers. There are the that. flowers on it, yeah. yeah. So this is a little plant. It looks like a, like a mini cacti, a bit like our, our echeveria last week. Remember yes, that lovely yes. blue plant? So this is this is a plant that looks like a mini cacti, but it's actually a saxifraga. It's a broad-leaved saxifraga, a plant that normally grows in free-draining soil on a rockery or border it's evergreen it's perennial it comes back every year and the great thing about it is it continues to produce these rosettes of leaves right through the the year so I would take it out of the pot it's in plant it somewhere maybe like a dry stone wall a rockery somewhere that it doesn't need a huge amount of soil is it an alpine type of a it's plant? it's an alpine yeah the saxifrages are in height the plant itself will stay quite short but these are the flower uh, panicles that are coming up that are kind of a pinky flower yeah. that comes up off the plant so it's in flower at the moment super easy plant and very easy to propagate you literally just take a piece of it just pull it away from the mother plant stick it in the ground and off it goes what this plant hates is heavy moisture heavy soil it'll rot away the, it needs a kind of a gravelly sandy gritty type of soil Uh, to grow really well and it comes every year and it spreads out lovely little thing okay lovely we've got another plant it's an indoor plant Porik Um, would be great if you could uh, put a name on it uh, the listener says Mona also does it flower and is it indoors indoors yes it it looks to me from the, the photographs like a plant called Aspridistria which is a foliage plant. It's grown for its its leaf colour. Very, very easy to grow, but you need to keep it inside. Otherwise, it will, uh, the frost will kill it. Now, uh, another indoor plant uh, and a lot of leaves and branches have fallen off an umbrella plant yeah. during the winter. Should I prune it, asks Mary. Yeah, Mary, I would move it into, just going to closer, yeah, this is yeah. a variegated chefalaria yeah. or umbrella plant. So it's got the variegated leaves, but you can see that the variegation is, it's, it's predominantly green now yeah. because it's lacking light where it is. It needs to be in a brighter location. Um, It can also be pruned back. It tends to get leggy anyway, umbrella plants over time. But by pruning the tops of them out, it would keep some bushy and you encourage lots of kind of rebranching lower down on the stem of the plant. Um, so be careful on the watering as well, Mary, with this one because it um, it's in quite a large pot for the size of the plant. So prune it back and just be careful on the watering again about once a fortnight. Let the surface of the soil dry before rewatering. Would Porik have any tips for hiding a dead hedge? This is a, a hedge uh, that borders our back garden have thought about using passiflora, passiflora yeah. and jasmine. Yeah. Um, so you can see the hedge, it has died. There is a bit of a fence there. Um, would would the, uh, Rebecca is asking this question, would they be options? Uh, there would be options, but uh, passiflora is the passion flower and, and jasmine, both are a little bit more difficult to grow than say traditional climbing plants. So first of all the hedge is Lelandii, it's all gone brown on one side, it's probably standing about 8 to 10 feet at the moment. I would plant climbers like Clematis montana, Grandiflora at this time of year, Honeysuckle 
there's some lovely varieties one called American Beauty or Hall's Prolific or two really good varieties they would be more vigorous more tolerant of, of the um of the hedge itself and you know the passiflora and the jasmine need a little bit more minding and a, a little bit more care certainly you could try them but I, I, I'd edge towards more vigorous climbers like Clematis Montana or the honeysuckles plant them about a metre apart and let them scramble up through the hedge and that'll cover it Okay, great. Just a couple more before we finish up. We've created a new bed containing crabapple and Joseph's coat trees. It is an exposed area and we wanted to plant some sort of ornamental lawn or ground cover. What might you suggest? Ornamental lawn or ground cover? Well, if you want a good ground covering plant, um, Pachysandra is a really good... Uh, it's a plant that only grows Pachysandra terminalis. I know it's a big long name, but yes. it's it's an evergreen plant. <laughs> it's got waxy leaves. It only grows about six inches high and it literally kind of spreads across the ground. It's a really, really good ground covering plant. Depends on the overall height. Maybe if the listener um, drops into the garden centre with some photographs and we'll advise them a little bit more um, specifically on the type of plants that would be suitable. But look, there's loads of ground covering plants that could be used. Yeah, kind of hard now to see this one in full pork, so I'm not sure we'll be able to help out, but wondering, would we know what the name of this shrub is and would you have any in stock, somebody in the Cross Malina area? Yeah, it looks, it looks to me like Senecio grey, which is... Um, which is um, related actually to our friend the angel wings. You know the angel oh, wings, yes, the silver leaves. My old friend. So this is a silver leaf plant with yellow flowers. Um, now the, we can go in as close as we can, but that yeah. it looks like it. I can see a yellow flower beginning to to That's start. And again, if the listener maybe wanted to bring a piece of it into the into the garden centre, we'll identify it. But from the image, it looks like Senecio grey, which is a silver leaf plant, yellow flowers. It spreads quite well. If you prune it, you'll keep it shorter and, and bushier. Um, you know, it grows about a metre high and ending up to two or three metres in diameter. Okay. Really um, easy plant to grow. We're going to have to end on this one very quickly. I grow these begonias every year <clears> and the leaves are very weak and brown. I feed them with tomato food. What's the problem, asks Pat? A big pile of begonias in pots. Yeah, go in close to there and just have a look. And yeah. remember, we had this question a couple of weeks back from a different listener and really was just down to the kind of cooler weather we're having at the moment. No, okay, uh, so there we go. Yeah, see. I think, look Pat, if you're if you're continued to feed them and water them, I think you'll give give the bit of heat that's coming, they'll be fine in, in another couple of weeks' time. A bit of TLC, the weather has been probably a bit hard on them, there's a bit of browning on the leaves and I think the previous question we had was down on hailstones a couple of weeks it, back. Oh, and good memory, re- yes. Remember they yeah. sent us in yeah. the pictures two weeks on, they were beautiful. So I think a bit of TLC on these is all that's required, regular feeding and, and the bit of heat will see them. You know, and remember, begonias will flower to November, so they're going to be it's early plenty yet. of thoughts. Early so do remember, Deirdre McCarthy, uh, today at two o'clock in their garden centre in Turlock, and she'll be showing people how to put all those lovely summer uh, door wreaths together. Sounds great. And we'll end on this one because I just think it's appropriate uh, to say thank you for the last few months and all the enjoyment you've given us out uh, regarding the different gardening things. Your, the radio show lifted my spirits many right. a day. Enjoyed ah, the summer. Fantastic, and yeah. I enjoyed it myself. Yeah. Great stuff. Thanks Pouring. a million. We'll talk to you again in the autumn. Thank you so much. Uh, that is it from us for the moment. Michael Neary on the way with Country Classics after the news which is coming your way next from me. Good morning.